Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. month about having our eyes wide open and uh, next month in April we want to move into a a month of evangelism we want to really step it up in this church and really begin to bring in a harvest Um, we're stepping out in faith we're not doing something that just seems like a good thing to do or oh this would be good let's choose April and let's have an evangelistic month. It's like God said. And God said there's coming a great harvest in and this whole month we're just pouring ourselves in to the harvesting of the harvesters, which is you. Everyone say she's talking to me. The harvesting of the harvesters. Because how can we bring a harvest in if there's no harvesters? We have to have the harvesters to bring the harvest in. You ever seen one of those movies where all the farmers, you know, with the harvesters ready and the farmer actually hires laborers in uh, for that special season, like a couple of hundred guys might just go to his place for the harvest season where the laborers come in and they harvest the crop for the farmer because he can't do it on his own. It's impossible. And so that's what we're saying, that in this month, there's this, this cry out to the harvesters. And we're, we're talking about this scripture in Matthew 9, 37 to 38. It says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So if you can imagine right now, the Lord is putting out a call. He's putting out a cry. He's saying, the harvest is ripe, the harvest is ripe, and I'm calling in the laborers. I'm calling in the workers to help me bring in this harvest. See, it's not the farmer alone that can bring in the harvest, but it is the laborers that bring in the harvest. It's the workers. Amen? And we've got to see ourselves in different eyes. This morning, Garth preached an amazing message, and I agree. You need to get that and listen to it on podcast. It was an incredible message. One thing really stood out to me this morning in your message, Garth, because Garth was talking about, you know, what stops you from being a harvester or what stops you from walking in all that God has for you is your own insecurity. And he spoke about insecurity that we all have. But one thing that stuck out to me in this morning's message, when you mentioned the scripture in Mark 12, 29 to 31, and, and um, Jesus was asked, what's the most, imp- you know, what about the commandments? And And Jesus said this, he said, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And God said this morning, a lot of Christians are are good at loving God. And even in this season of revival, when God is coming and he's pouring out his spirit, and it's so easy. You know, we had a visitor here this morning, and I had a bit of, you know, a bit of a a cry this morning in the worship. 
And um, when I went to talk afterwards, you know, why were you crying? It's like, I was crying because I'm in love. And I'm just overwhelmed by his love for me. So, you know, in these seasons where God's pouring out his spirit and he's coming so close to us and getting so intimate, you know, you can get excited about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And I pray that everybody can experience that. But God said this morning to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And he was talking about when we've got insecurities, when we've got stuff on the inside, when we've got uh, belief systems about ourselves, the way that we love ourselves is reflected in the way that we love other people. So the way I love me is the way that I'm going to love someone else. And this is what Jesus is trying to say here. Love others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So what does he have to do to get the harvesters right for the harvest is he has to get us loving ourselves. You see, so that he can pour himself through undiluted, undiluted vessels that are like him. That all the pollution, all the stuff, you know, all the prickly stuff, that he can work through that and he can find the essence of who he is inside of our heart of hearts, inside of the holy of holies, deep within our hearts. And he can project himself and our stuff gets out of the way. You see, people aren't looking for another church or, you know, they're over church. They're over religion. They're not looking for you to preach at them. They're not looking for your big black Bible. They're looking for truth. And if you can carry the truth inside of yourself, the truth about what God says about you, about how you feel about yourself, because you've been in love with the one who's in love with you, and then you go and give that love away then they will feel something other than condemnation when you speak to them about Christ. They'll feel something other than judgment. They'll feel something other than religion. They'll go, whatever you, whatever you got, I want that. They'll look into the eyes of love. And, they, and, and Reinhard Bonnke, he says this, he says, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And every now and again, Jesus looks out of the windows. And I don't know how many times when I've been speaking to people, they just get locked in my eyes. And they just like, you know, and they'll say things like, your eyes are amazing. And I'm thinking, Jesus is looking out the windows. Jesus is looking out the windows at you. And you can see him. And you can feel his presence and you know him. Because he always looks with love. His eyes always look with love. And if you can just get through these vessels of ours and get them loving. Amen. Ephesians 1.18 says this, and my message is entitled, It Is Written. Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You know, God wants us to have eyes, the eyes of our heart opened so that we can see the hope inside of us. You see, not just see out there, but see in here, the hope that he has called us to. Amen.
Psalm 139, verses 13 says this. This is in the Old Testament, but it's speaking about God creating us. And it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden for you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me. All the days ordained for me. I, wanna, I want you to think about that. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There is in each of us, uh, it is written. There's, there's this sense of it is written. Because there's things that God has written that we are ordained for that we've never been able to read or to perceive or to have the revelation to see what God has written on our hearts, what God has written on our DNA, what God has written on our very innermost being. Because why? Because from the minute that we are birthed into this world, from that place inside our mother's womb where God is molding us and shaping us and watching us be formed in that place, the minute that we breathe air, we're born into a sinful world. The minute that we breathe air, we enter into a war over our lives. We enter into a war over our lives and the war is about what God has written and what the enemy can rub out or camouflage or make you believe is not true from the minute that we're in our mother's wombs and we come out the enemy is there waiting to destroy what God has written and try and wipe it off God's book. But the thing is this, the enemy has no right to touch God's book because it is written. What God has written, no man can erase. No devil can erase. No stronghold can erase. No wrong upbringing can erase. No plan of the enemy can erase. What God has written is written. The only thing is that happens is that we can't read it. Anybody see the Raiders of the, of the Lost Ark? I mean, I'm going back a little bit. But there are movies like this where you see them and they find ancient scrolls. They find ancient scrolls. And these scrolls up here, that's actually the book of Isaiah. That's the Lost Scrolls. That's, that's, that's the book of Isaiah that they found. And they, they, they had to... You know, there was pieces missing, there was, there, was, there was ink that was, you know, rubbed and smudged and, you know, they had to try and resurrect it and find out what was written in there. And you see in the Raiders of the Lost Ark or one of those movies, they find these scrolls and they're so delicate, they're so damaged, 
They're so broken. They're, they're so tattered and torn. And they may be, as they open it, it may just fall apart. And they open it. And as they open it, they realize that the, the, the letters, the, the, the words that are written in here are, are they're, 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 they're not able to be, what is it, illegible? What is the word? Unable to read. Illegible. They're illegible. And so you see they get their little dusting things and they dust, just carefully dust, get the scroll and they dust it off and they, then they have like little chemicals that they can actually carefully, carefully dab on it in case they rub it out. But it actually brings forth the letters, the words that are deep down inside the very fabric of that scroll and they bring them to the surface so that they can read. And you always see in those movies where they go, ah, you know, it's usually about where the covenant is hidden or the, the Ark of the Covenant or something like that, you know, the, or it's a map, you know, and they see, oh, look at that, you know, and they piece it together and they begin to work out. Well, that's exactly what our hearts are like. Our hearts are like a scroll. Our hearts are like it is written. The minute that we're born in our, when our, our mother's womb, there's an it is written upon our hearts. And as we're born into this world, it begins to get tattered. It begins to get camouflaged. It begins to get stained. It begins, things begin to spill on it and, and destroy it and make it... Um, ineligible and we can't read it and we we're trying to read it you know and then we come to Christ then we come to Jesus and it's almost like Jesus gets this scroll upon our hearts and makes us realize that it is written I belong to God I belong to God that's who I belong to you know you know when you come to Jesus Christ that deep down inside there's that yeah it was written you know, when someone, when I met Jesus the first time and I looked into his eyes, you know, I met him through an encounter when he looked straight into my face and I, I met him. And when I looked at him, it was almost like he was saying, speak my name and you will be saved. And I'm thinking, I don't know your name, Mr. Man with white hair looking at me. I had no idea, no idea who he was. But down inside my heart, there was a, it is written. Somewhere inside, it was almost like, I don't know your name, but I know you. I know you, and I know you know me. And there's an, it is written in my heart. And then you just start to follow him. As, as you start to say, I think, I'll be, I think I'll be water baptized. I, I think I'm going to get water baptized. And, you know, we're on a honeymoon, and I'm saying to Phil, I want to get water baptized. You know, I've finally worked out what this stuff is. And he's going, can you leave God out of it for a while? We're on a honeymoon. I'm going, no, these people have just told me that the next step to being a Christian is getting water baptized. Where's the water? Where's the pastor? Let's go. I don't care who baptizes me. Get me in that water right now. Because why? Because there was an, it is written on my heart. And I couldn't wait any longer because I had already somehow read it. And when this woman was speaking to me about, you must be water baptized, I went, oh, I've read that. That makes total sense to me because I've read that. I don't know where, I don't know how, but it was written. 
then when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was in my little caravan in my front room, my caravan, locked myself in my bedroom. I said, I'm not coming out till you fill me with the Holy Spirit, God. And the next minute I began to speak in the most beautiful language. And it didn't feel weird to me. It didn't feel odd to me. It felt like I'd come home. It felt like I was speaking my native language because it was written. It was written on my heart. And then as I started to journey with him and follow him, he started to unroll the scroll and he started to make the words eligible for me. Is that the right word? Am I saying it right? Leg- legible? Legible to me. Yes. Eligible. He started to make the words legible to me. It started, I could start, I'm starting to read. I'm starting to understand. As I look into the word, which is the mirror that I look into to find myself. And make sure you look in it the right way up. I just looked it upside down. It's like. <laughs> and as I look into the word and as I spend time with him, he starts, he starts finding me. And he starts uncovering that it is written. I remember when I, when, when I was, you know, only 17. And, and the doctors came to me and said, you know, you have cancer. And, you know, we need to do a full hysterectomy right now. Because, and forget, you're never going to have children. Just forget it. Just forget about that silly notion, 17-year-old, that you will ever have children. But you know, there was an it is written inside of me. I didn't even know Jesus then. I didn't even know about this scroll that was written on my heart when I was in my mother's womb. Even before I was formed in my mother's womb, it was written. I didn't know about that. But somewhere deep down inside of me, at 17 years old, I was able to turn around to those doctors and go, it is written. I am going to have babies. And you're not touching me. And they say, you're going to die. You'll die. If you walk out of here, you will die. And I had this, it is written. Now call it stupid, call it 17, call it, you don't, Think about consequences at that age stuff. Thank God I did. Thank God I was 17 and I was stupid. Because it turned out, yes, I did have cancer. Yes, I did have C3 cancer, but they managed to get it all in surgery. And the doctor that was treating me was actually dying of cancer himself and was a bit overboard and freaked out, just wanted to take everything out of everybody. But I had it, it is written inside of me. And then when I'm, and then, and then, and then they said to me, "You'll never have children anyway because you just know there's no eggs. You've got no eggs. There's no eggs. They're empty. Your ovaries are empty. You might as well just have this hysterectomy and save your life and forget about." And I, but I had this. It is written. I had it. And you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an artist now. But back in those days, I didn't really do much art or anything like that. But I just felt like. This is before I was a Christian, everyone. This is before I knew Jesus. This is before I knew, but I had and it is written. And I just felt like I had to draw the face of this little baby. I've still got it at home, looking through this window frame. And it was just the face of a baby looking through this window frame at me. And it was almost like, it was almost like I was reading the it is written of God. 
There's a baby. This baby is looking through the window of what is written, and you will have that baby. You know, the day that I found out I was pregnant, by a miracle, the it is written began to rise up in my heart. It was three months after we got water baptized. And I found out I was pregnant. And I said to my doctor, this is my cancer specialist, how did this happen? He said, I don't know. It must be that God of yours. Ask him. You know, when Jillie was born and I looked into her face, overwhelming, overwhelming joy. When I looked at the face of the baby that I had drawn when I was 18 years old, and it was exactly the same face. Because it was written. It was written. It was written. It was written. There are things inside of you that God has written and the enemy has tried to rub out. The enemy has tried to destroy. The enemy has come and, and poured things. But the blood of Jesus Christ, the redeeming blood of Jesus, comes first when you're saved and then he continues to bring his redemption and his grace to those parts of your heart that have been hidden and he pours out his blood again and he pours out his grace again and he pours out his love again until you feel as if you could read a little more and you could read a little more and the scroll begins to open the eater's written begins to open and you begin to get a picture of who you are and what you were ordained to be you see, remember I said in that scripture, I want you to remember that word, ordained. Because there are things that are written about us that we are ordained to do that we haven't even read yet. Even those of us who are mature Christians and who have been trying to, trying to work out our scrolls for a long time. There are still things that are written that we haven't read yet. There are still things that are written that are still washed out and need to be brought to the forefront of those scrolls and brought to the forefront of our hearts. This is how we fall in love with ourselves. When we realize that there is a God who has written a complete and utter love story about us and all we need to do is read it. All we need to do is read it and allow him to wipe out the stains that make the words ineligible. It's beautiful, isn't it? He's so perfect. He's so perfect. He's so perfect. Just this week, just this week, he opened my scroll a little wider. And showed me things. In each one of us, there's a masterpiece uh, waiting to happen. Inside of us is there's things ordained for, for us to do while we're on this earth. 
think there's any greater thing that we can do with our lives than to save the souls of other human beings, to be a part of showing them that it is written, giving them their own story, giving them the Jesus that unlocks their heart, giving them the, 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 the beautiful love story that he wants them to read about them. This is a video I want to show you. I just want to just like watch this for a minute and then we're just going to pray at the end of the year. I really just believe this is going to speak to some hearts. Is that okay? Two, only two thousand 
just bless you. Just lift your hands up right now. We thank you, Lord, that in this room there are priceless treasures inside hearts. There are stories yet to be read. And I ask you, Lord, right now that you would open up these hearts, oh God. Why don't you just begin to ask him, Lord, open up my heart. Let me see my story. Open up my heart. Touch my heart, Master. Let the Master's hand touch your heart right now. Just while Doug's going to sing over us again. Your love so deep is washing over me. Your face is all I see. You are my everything. Jesus Christ, you are my one desire. Lord, hear my only cry to
stuff that the enemy has smudged over the top, the stuff that, the falseness, the lies, you know. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I want to encourage you tonight, it's time to start reading the truth about yourself. It's time to start listening to the right source. It's time to start asking God, what do you say about me, Jesus? You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness, and he had to come up against Satan and he had to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and for 40 nights. What did he fight with? He said, it is written. And when you know that it is written on your heart, you will not be susceptible to the enemy's taunts anymore. You will not be susceptible to sin. You will not be susceptible to depression and anxiety and doubt and fear because you will have the it is written on the inside of you. And when the enemy comes at you, when sin comes at you, you're able to stand and you're able to go, it is written. Hallelujah, come on. Your love so deep is washing hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.